listening to First Church Charlotte. My name is Nathan. It is my privilege and honor to be the lead pastor of First Church Charlotte. This is our midweek Bible study. Thank you for joining us. We are in the book of Mark. We have just finished up chapter number eight with one small exception, and we are starting chapter number nine. And there is something that happens in chapter number nine that is very relevant for all of us who look for an uncertain future, somehow hinted at, revealed, displayed in prophecy, but we as believers and people of faith are unsure how the details of that prophetic future will come into to being. Uh, I want to, if the Lord will help me, be as transparent as I can be in this issue because there is a potential for prophecy rather than being a source of, uh, shall we say, encouragement and spiritual strength uh, to actually become a, a distraction or worse, a confusion. When the people of God are confused, they lose mission and purpose. They usually don't quit going to church. They just lose the purpose for which God ordained the church, do you see? Uh, this is something we should take seriously, and if the Lord will help us, we will do that. So I'm going to start reading in chapter number 9, uh, verse number 1. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Think about that. This is a scripture that has led to confusion. Let's be honest, it has. It was very common in the early church for people, including the apostles, to See, experience, partake in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ before they died. Um, I, I think it is a fair assumption on every student's part to say many of first-generation believers died with surprise, shall we say. They expected the imminent return of the Lord. I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up with very much a sense of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have, I have tried as an adult to live with some sense, some continued sense of that imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I think there's a lot of good. Maybe there could be some, some somewhat negative things, but for the most part, living your life, looking for the trump to sound and time to be no more is a, is a great way to live. Why do I say that? Uh, it helps us place God first in our life. It helps us focus not on the things of this world and this life, which is what our flesh is always turning back toward and returns our focus to the promises of God. That's the good. Returns our focus to the final victory of the kingdom of heaven. That's the good. Uh, I think it could be possible that if your fear 
of the imminent return of the Lord causes you to turn away from your mission, your purpose for which God placed you and focus on perfecting yourself um, and hiding away, I think in that regard, it would be a bad. Um, that certainly is not the way that I experienced it growing up. I experienced it as a call, a clarion call to spiritual arms. Let's make a difference in this day and in this hour. Uh, so lots of people expect the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're uh, getting older, like I am, unfortunately, um, you occasionally find yourself surprised that we're all still here. You know, after all the preaching and after all the revivals where I buried my face in the altar, I said, my God, my God, if the righteous scarcely be saved, what chance do I have? I'll never forget when a famous evangelist would come through and scare the devil out of us, which, you know, we probably had some devil that needed scaring. Um, but there was so much hype, and I'll never forget where I was in a service like that where uh, this is before the age of easy video. Um, the evangelist played at the end of his sermon the audio track of a huge explosion. He said it was an atomic explosion. I, I don't know how you would record that, but let's just say that he had got it somewhere. And there were people that literally ran to the altar, so filled with fear. Um, there's some good in that, um, but that's not enough. You're going to need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not choose to scare you onto the straight and narrow. He told you a love story and invited you to be a part of that love story. Mystery is very much a part of serving God. And hear me when I say this. I think this is profoundly important. Mystery is not always meant to be understood. It's meant to be embraced. It's not always meant to be figured out and calculated. It's meant to be enjoyed. God's ways are above our ways. I look for beauty in his ways. I look for, for encouragement and blessing in his ways. But I never forget uh, that his ways are above our ways. You guys hear me say this a lot. Um, but God is not an algorithm running in the heavens that we trick by getting our, you know, the right formula. Um, God knows your heart. You can't trick God with an algorithm. It's not as though he's up there with a spreadsheet saying, well, did he, did he cuss or did he just say darn? Because if he said darn, then that's only a year in purgatory. But if he cussed, <clears throat> gonna but come on. Um, I feel like I feel like you know. Let's let's move on from the simple things. God makes our consciousness look like a small thing. He inhabits all things, and He knows your heart. He gives us the way through the image of Jesus Christ. Think about that. He doesn't give you a formula of duty, obedience, or obligatory rights, responsibilities, and sacraments. He gives you a way. And he says, this, this individual, this man, this God-man, this son of God, Jesus Christ, this is the way. Would you like to discover eternal life? It's in him. Um, and so uh, mystery is very much a part of the Christian experience and way. It's not always meant to be figured out and calculated. Um, not everyone agrees with that. 
Um, they, they're welcome to their opinion. I'm sure there's people that they need a pastor who pretends like he knows all things, even if he doesn't, and maybe reassures them and they can go to heaven right there. The, that attitude is not my enemy. I just want you to know um, I, that's not how I can stand before the word of God. I, that's not where I am at. We do not figure God out. We surrender to God. We do not somehow wrestle him, wrestle, that's a Southern word, wrestle him into a type of intellectual uncle where he cries uncle, oh, you got me, you pinned me. No, the angel fights with Jacob all night long. The angel was never trapped. Jacob needed a transformation. And the moment the angel decided to go, he touched Jacob's hip and changed his name, changed his destiny, changed his character. Do you see? So mystery is not us figuring God out. Mystery is us seeing the magnificent ways of God and drawing strength from the knowledge that he sees what we can only imagine. Now, back to Mark chapter number nine, verse number one. If you want to treat God as a calculus problem, what you have to do is try to figure out, okay, what, you know, they will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. But, you know, the Lord hasn't returned leading a heavenly army even yet. So, you know, Jesus, uh, it seems to me like he missed it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> whatever you think. Um, th there is there's mystery here. That's not supposed to be treated like a religious calculus problem, but rather meant to be seen as the ways of God. Now, let me explain how depth can be entered into this scripture right here. There are some standing here who will not taste death. What does Jesus mean by death? The Bible does not have one single meaning for death. It has multiple meanings for death. And if you will not let death be a concept rather than, you know, a number and a calculus. It's a concept. It can refer to various things. What is Jesus referring to here? They will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not have a singular meaning in the Bible. It has a uh, multiple meanings. It is a concept that you have to see and you have to allow it to speak conceptually not as some type of a, well, that's a four, bless God. It can't be anything but a four. Um, it's a concept. So we have two big spiritual mysteries here. Jesus, what do you mean by death? Jesus, what do you mean by the kingdom of God? And then let's end the scripture. Will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. What do you mean by power? Okay, now we don't have one. We don't have two. We have three concepts that Jesus is using to give a word to his disciples that they will wrestle with. Yes, they will worry over. Yes, but ultimately they will submit themselves to and say God's ways are above my ways. I would... Uh, let me real quickly, since it's my job to try to con convey or communicate uh, this this uh, scripture to all of you here today. Let me tell you how I, I see it. I see it in context. 
um, Jesus has just told his disciples uh, that they they're going to be quite disappointed in his future. <laughs> He's not overthrowing Rome. He's not destroying the oppressors of the house of Israel. He's going to Jerusalem. He's going to be lied about, betrayed, fraud committed against him, and finally, murder. They don't want to hear this. This is the death of a criminal. Die on a cross? That is to show the world and the generations to come that Rome has won. Rome is how. The cross is how Rome humiliates the nations under its sword. Don't do that, Jesus. Peter even steps up and says, don't do that. Uh, Jesus rebukes the devil and Peter, <laughs> and he remains committed to this. And then he adds this, and this is the one point I wanted to make from chapter number eight. If you're ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, I'm going to be ashamed of you. Now, he doesn't say, I'm going to send you to everlasting lake of fire. He said, I'm going to be ashamed of you. You ashamed of me, I'm ashamed of you. Peter fulfills this. He's ashamed of Jesus. What does Jesus do with people that have shown him shame? Shame. Well, if they'll forgive, if they'll repent, he will forgive them. There's some of you that have been hesitant to come back to church because of something that happened. And you say, because of my shame, Jesus doesn't want anything to do with me. I won't show my face at the church. Peter fulfills this prophecy right here. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. He says, I don't know him. Peter's ashamed of him. What does Jesus do with those who bring him shame? If you'll repent, he'll forgive you. And not only that, he will, in the case of Peter, and perhaps in the case of all of us, restore the destiny for which he called us. And it's even greater than that. He knew Peter was going to fail before he gave him that spiritual calling. He knew he was going to do it, and he gave it to him anyway. Your end has not come because you failed. You need to repent, humble yourself, get right with God, get back to purpose. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Lord, I don't know what we're all going to arguing about. You know my heart. All right, feed my lambs. Peter, get back on track. What's your mission? What's your calling? It's not about you feeling sorry for yourself on the side of the Sea of Galilee. It's not about you showing up for free fish <laughs> at the fish fry. <laughs> it's about you getting back on task, getting back on purpose. It's not about you. It's about the work, and you have people to feed. Um, so they are struggling with this fact that Jesus is going to die the death of the powerless. And then Jesus says to them, you guys are going to see <laughs> the power present in the kingdom of God in the here and now before you die. What happens next? Well, Mount Transfiguration in the narrative of Mark. What's next? And Mark is telling Peter's story. What's next? Mount Transfiguration. Do they see power? Absolutely. What is the lesson in all of this? Just because God doesn't choose power doesn't mean he doesn't have power. Just because God chooses to die a humble death doesn't mean he has to. All of you disciples should see this. God is not defeated. This is a love story, not a power story. Power doesn't change the world. Power makes it more of what it is. But love never fails. Peter, 
I'm going to die powerless. But before you die, you're going to see that just because I choose love does not mean I don't have power. And even though it seems like I'm losing at Calvary or will be, he's uh, me kind of adding the NJE version here, doesn't mean that I had to die this way. I could have called 10,000 angels. This lesson will be repeated when Peter tries to fight with a sword. This lesson is fundamental. No man took his life. He laid it down. So these scriptures, they show us some mystery. What do we do with mystery? We look to it for strength. We look to it for the reminder that God's ways are above our ways. We don't argue with it. We don't split the church over it. If you have a great idea, fine. I have some ideas. I'm not running you off over them. Don't run me off over them. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Mystery is part of the revelation of God. I love you. God bless you. Let's pray. Lord, be with your people. Walk with them. Lead them. Direct them. Help us to embrace the deep, profound mystery of the scripture, not as confusion, but as testimony of the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Parents, bad news. I have not prepared notes for you this week. I apologize. My schedule has been uh, crazy um, and I am having to go to another wedding. I went to a wedding yesterday. I have to go to a wedding. I'm leaving today to go to a wedding to, uh, on Tuesday. And so my normal preparation of your notes is um, uh, not there. I would encourage you to read the story of Mount Transfiguration, Mark chapter number nine, uh, verses two, all the way down to verse number, say, 11, and uh, talk to your kids about that. Have them read it to you. It'd be good for them and talk to them about it. We love you. God bless you. See you Sunday. Going to be a great day. God bless. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.